Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Jamf Mobile Device Management. Get a free 14-day trial at jamf.it slash appleinsider. And Headspace. Get a free one-month trial with access to the entire Headspace library at headspace.com slash appleinsider. And Masterclass. Get 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash appleinsider. And Amazon Pharmacy. Amazon Prime members can save on prescription medication at amazon.com slash appleinsiderrx. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and joining me this week, my friend of many Earth, Wind, and Fire gifts, Wes Hilliard. How you doing, Wes? Do you remember? <laughs> Here's my theory now, Wes. Every time you tweet a GIF of Earth, Wind, and Fire's September song, the Apple event gets pushed another month. I think that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how it works. That is exactly what's happening. I'm pretty sure. But if you did not see, the big news this week is that there was no news that the Apple event that many leakers were positive on that was going to happen March 23rd. It was going to be the big event with new iPads and AirTags and all this stuff. No event invite went out. And now some of those same leakers, notably John Prosser, I don't know if you saw his front page tech video. I think he's actually going to shave his eyebrows because he got this one wrong. Yeah, he plans on shaving them on the day of the supposed event. <laughs> right. But uh, one cool thing he's doing is he's donating proceeds from that video to uh, Wigs for Kids. So that's that's, right. that's pretty nice. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I was watching that video and I said, all right, kudos, John Prosser. That's pretty cool. But yes, no event next week. Looking like no event in March at all. I mean, if it's not happening next week, it's not happening in March. And so now <laughs> the next rumors are that it's going to be an April event, something that Apple has not done in like 10 years, having an event in April that announces a bunch of products. Typically, it's because it's so close to WWDC. I mean, if you go even early April, you're two months away from their massive Worldwide Developers Conference. The event thing, I just want to point out, I think only John Prosser is saying April, but suddenly also everyone on the internet is saying April. But the only place I've heard that is Prosser. Has has German or anyone said April also? It might be the echo chamber of Apple leaks because... In John Prosser's front page tech video, he did say that he's the only leaker now saying there's going to be an actual event in April. And he even showed a screenshot of his source. He's the first one, at least. He's the first one. And he even uh, posted a screenshot in that video of the source that is via iMessage. It's in this iMessage chat. And this source told John Prosser back in February that the event will not be in March, but in April winky face you know and that was right. that was the extent of the information from this source so i think i think you're right yeah everyone's all in on april suddenly with no real right. evidence other than this and i mean that's cool i'm, I'm glad he has another source but uh, there's no corroborating evidence and this quo report doesn't say anything because um that's my second question does apple generally start production of something the week they announce it i don't think so it's usually a few weeks if not a month or so um i know iphone gets ramped up in july before it's announced in september that's only because of its huge lineup but with like supply chain issues and the like lidar systems being uh held back by car manufacturer demand and stuff like that like i could see ipad pro manufacturing starting earlier as well just to ramp up enough for a summer or fall release. So I think people are starting to do the uh, Charlie Day string tying thing on the wall, the conspiracy theories. They're tying everything together right. that's unrelated but seemingly related. And I think everyone's getting a little too excited. There was the Digitimes report 
that said a mini LED iPad Pro would ship in April at the earliest, which again, I mean, that basically leaves it open for whatever. But I think that was the only other source that was really mentioned April as a shipping time. As a fun anecdote, I want to point out that as an electrician or just in, in the military in general, we used a phrase to describe how something moved like electricity at the fraction of a speed of light. Well, everything <laughs> is moving at a fraction of the speed of light. So mm. if you're going to predict that something will release as early as April, well, it can literally <laughs> release any time after April. It, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that is a little silly. I feel like there's so many leaks and rumors, at least about the iPad specifically and the, the mini LED thing. I mean, you still could be right. That September thing could still happen, but I don't know. Well, I would say I, I would post a song about October, but I don't think there is one. Mm. <laughs> Bloomberg and Mark Gurman actually released another report confirming some things like that the iPad Pro 12.9 inch, the larger iPad Pro, is going to have a mini LED screen, which we've seen a couple rumors of that. He seems to be confirming that and that its production is going to begin in April, seemingly to coincide with the April event, that is going to have significant performance boost, which is, you know, pretty obvious. But also two other things, which I thought was interesting. Thunderbolt 3 would be coming to the iPad Pro in this next model, and also better cameras. Now, I don't know about you, Wes, but the camera on my iPad, I really, I don't know if I have ever opened the camera app on my iPad, but I know people do that, and that's fine. You know, sometimes if you want to take a picture of your iPhone and you don't have another camera, you got your iPad, hopefully. But Thunderbolt 3, I thought, was an interesting feature addition. And right now, obviously, the iPad Pro is USB-C. You can use USB-C hubs and do like HDMI, USB-A, even Ethernet. But with Thunderbolt 3 coming to the iPad Pro, I can think of a couple use cases. But what do you think about that as kind of an iPad first user, Wes? I don't know that it's technically even Thunderbolt. This might be USB 4, which includes the Thunderbolt spec, right? which is fine. I mean, how However we get it, it's how we get it. Since this is where we're going, I don't I don't see Apple releasing any more products with just Thunderbolt 3. That would be silly at this point. USB 4 is readily available now. Right. It's in the same connector shape and everything. There's no reason to change it. So going up to that spec will be nice because better data transfer speeds, higher resolution screens, stuff like that can happen. Right. Well, it'll be curious to see when this thing finally comes out. But two other points of information about this event that didn't happen and then may happen in April. But Apple did actually do something on the day the announcements were supposed to go out, which was March 16th, they added an update to Maps where you could find COVID vaccination sites in some areas. They did something that day. <laughs> Not what everybody was looking for. Yeah, that's a pretty cool little tool. Boston Ho Children's Hospital, I think, uh, developed a program online and then Apple just added it to uh, Apple Maps. Hmm. So, yeah, you can kind of find out where vaccinations are being handed out. I don't, I don't think it's all-inclusive. I think it's just, here's where they had vaccines. Click on this link to a website to find out, you know, what you have to do to make an appointment. It's not it's not everything, but it, it's definitely better than nothing. And then finally, specifically about the event that is not happening, there was some rumors that maybe Apple seeded misinformation about the March 23rd event to leakers to make them say there was going to be an event on March 23rd. Maybe Tim Cook just especially wants to see John Prosser uh, shave his eyebrows off. But uh, then, yeah, Mark Gurman commented on your article. So what was that about? This originated, just, just to be clear, this originated from Prosser himself. Right. His speculation in his video of how is it that all of the most you know prominent leakers for Apple got the same date wrong. Yeah. The obvious answer is, is you know, uh, 
mole searching, mole hunting in any sector of anything where you want to find out if there's any espionage happening, you're going to just leak wrong information to certain people, right. see if it gets out and find out who the leakers are. It's simple as that. I, I wrote that story very, very straightforward. It's literally that just suggesting that Apple has the ability to, and probably has done it in the past. And uh, Mark German screenshotted the title of my article and just said, Nope, I'm not <laughs> sure what he's saying. Nope to it could be anything. Maybe it's just the styling of the headline. I don't know, but he just said nope. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I wonder if he has some inside information about how and if Apple seeds disinformation among their employees. But yeah, very strange. I feel like this world of, I don't know if better word for it, but espionage around Apple products and Apple events, you know, Google, I feel like they should just straight leak their own products or like try to leak them. Samsung the same, but maybe it's because there's the level of secrecy or, or element of surprise that Apple really tries to bring to events. But there's just such a pent up demand to see what a- Apple is going to do before they do it. I just find it fascinating. Well, there is such a thing as controlled leaks, that not just to catch a mole, but to literally get information out that normally wouldn't. Right. I can't remember where I saw this. It could have been us. It could have been in any of the other Apple websites. But I read that an article about just that. Every now and then, there will be a piece of information that they think, hmm, we really need to get this out. Uh, hey, Joe, do you got a guy in media you can trust <laughs> to leak this to? Give him a phone call. Right. And uh, maybe Gruber or somebody. I can't remember who said it. But yeah, it's it's basically that. Get him, get him some information. Say, we'd like this out there, but don't give anyone any ability to attach it to us or yourself. Just get it out there, and there it is. You know, that this kind of thing is done to spur lagging suppliers or competitive things, but it's it's totally legal, ethical, whatever. But yeah, Apple does that stuff all the time, just like any other company might, especially, obviously, Google and Samsung and such, accidentally leaking entire product lines before they launch. But Apple, being as secretive as they are, I'm sure they're very selective on how they do this but leaking things like a event date doesn't give anyone any benefit so right other than catching a mole maybe <laughs> i will say i do not envy the leakers job to try and suss out whether their sources are accurate or not i was listening to the genius bar podcast and they were talking kind of about how their process has evolved over the years about how to vet these certain sources because Obviously, if you're a well-known leaker, someone like Prosser or maybe even Quo, I don't, you know, I don't know how it works with him, but at least on the Genius Bar podcast, they were talking about, you know, tons of people send in tips and info and like, oh, this, you don't want to sleep on this. This is going to be an amazing leak or whatever. And so many of those are fake. And people are just making stuff up. And to suss that out, I mean, some of these guys have elaborate processes for like, you know, send me a picture of your photo ID or, you know, you need to corroborate your connection with Apple in some way. And I guess if just some source feeds you information continually and you just wait long enough to see if their information has become accurate, although that could take a year or more because Apple doesn't release a ton of stuff very often. It's just interesting, that whole process. And I don't envy those guys trying to suss out and decide whether these sources are legit or not. Well, this brings it full circle to Apple suing, was it Lancaster over right stealing everything so this is all it's just all coming to a head it wouldn't it be fun if you know tim cook's dragging like three employees out by the scruff and just (laughs) saying (laughs) oh you're the leakers and it's all all surrounding the same same time of doing a public lawsuit and all this grandeur movements around see look don't mess with apple we're we're good at this and we're going to find you out kind of stuff i don't know it's just (laughs) it's funny that it's all happening at the same time anyway 
Yeah, that is interesting. Well, stay tuned, Apple Insider. When an event, if and when it is announced, you'll hear it and see it on AppleInsider.com for sure. This episode is brought to you by Jamf Mobile Device Management. Guys, I've been using Jamf for years now, and I personally love this service and the power it gives me to manage Apple devices across a large team. And whether you have just a few people or lots of devices you need to manage, Jamf is an excellent tool to make those management tasks a lot easier. I actually use it with 50 plus devices across an organization, both iPhones, iPads, and Macs, iMacs and MacBooks alike. Listen, Apple, Microsoft, and Google, they all have unique workflows to provision, encrypt, deploy, and support enterprise technology. That's why there really is no such thing as a unified endpoint management or just a single tool to cover everything. But as Apple devices become more and more popular and grow in organizations, a lot of places even doing bring your own devices. So people are bringing their own iPhones and iPads. The need to provide Apple dedicated tools for IT and security teams has never been greater. Jamf is the only Apple enterprise management solution that covers everything you need to connect, manage, and secure Apple devices for your organization without negatively impacting the end user experience. And that's an important point because sometimes with some management softwares it'll slow down devices or they may freeze with the different profiles of provisioning and I have never experienced that with Jamf. And it doesn't even require the IT department to touch a device. You can deploy a shrink-wrapped Apple device straight from the factory to your staff wherever they are and when it arrives and they unbox it, power it on, they can get right to work with all the apps, settings, and resources they need to be productive and stay secure. Jamf makes access to business-critical applications a seamless experience with a single username and password. Just imagine the reduction in password resets for your IT team. Finally, while most security tools are created with Windows in mind, you can be assured that Jamf's sole focus is on protecting your Macs. And with a history of same-day support for Apple OS releases, your devices will be secure no matter when your users update. More than 40,000 organizations rely on Jamf to keep devices connected, up-to-date, and secure while ensuring users have the resources they need and the world-class Apple experience they know, love, and expect. So Apple Insider listeners, unlock the power of Apple and Jamf today with a free 14-day trial. Try totally for free. And to get started, go to jamf.it slash appleinsider. That's J-A-M-F dot I-T slash appleinsider to learn more. Our thanks to Jamf for sponsoring this episode. But one thing Apple did state explicitly was the death of HomePod. And Wes, I have some feelings about this. I'm a little, I'm a little troubled, a little sad. Is it really dead? So this is going to be a segment right here. I'm just going to say, I think Apple's statement is pretty clear, and I'm going to read it verbatim. So the news came out. It was late Friday, March 12th. And I know that because my birthday was the next day, March 13th. And for Apple to kill the HomePod the day before my birthday, I take that as a personal affront uh, for a, a product that I oh, love. Oh, happy birthday, Stephen. No more HomePod. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much. So when I first saw this like on Twitter, I didn't see the statement officially. It was just... You know, Apple is discontinuing the HomePod. It's dead or whatever. And, you know, I thought it was a normal internet hype that maybe some news had come out and people were overblowing it. But then I read the actual statement. So Apple released the statement late on Friday, the time of day and the time in the week where you release news that you're not especially happy about or that you don't want coverage week long on something. Uh, you release it then Friday afternoon late. And so this is the statement from Apple. They said, HomePod Mini has been a hit since its debut last fall, offering customers amazing sound. That's debatable. We're going to get to that in a second. Back to the quote. An intelligent assistant and smart home control, all for just $99. We are focusing our efforts on HomePod Mini, 
we are discontinuing the original HomePod. See, even Apple has to clarify because the HomePod naming is a little problematic. Continuing to the quote, it will continue to be available while supplies last through the Apple online store, Apple retail stores, and Apple authorized resellers. Apple will provide HomePod customers with software updates and service and support through Apple Care. End quote. So that's Apple's statement. Pretty explicit that they said they are discontinuing the original HomePod. That is the larger HomePod, $350. Sometimes you can find it on sale for $200. The original HomePod came out 2017. I remember to much fanfare, you know, all the research that Apple had done. Apple built an entire room on campus to test sound and get great, uh, you know, acoustics and all that on these speakers. And not much had been said about it until now. I think some of us, at least I was hoping for a second generation of product, but it does not look like that's happening. It seems to be going the way of the iPod Hi-Fi. If listeners are old enough to remember that, it was the high fidelity speaker that Apple developed just for the iPod, where you stick your iPod in it, 30-pin connector, not even lightning, the old-school iPod, and it played great sound. Uh, but they have said explicitly that the HomePod Mini has been a hit and will continue to make it. So on the face of it, reading a little bit into this statement, it seems like the original larger HomePod, quality aside, which we'll get to in a moment, but it did not sell how Apple wanted it to sell. It has either not sold in numbers, the profitability, whatever it is, it has not been the hit that apparently the HomePod Mini has shown itself to be in just a few months. I mean, the HomePod Mini is only four or five months old, and they have apparently say it's been a hit, and they're going to focus on that and discontinue the HomePod. And that seems to be at least maybe why. You know, we don't have an exact reason why, but it appears that way. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it it's just simply HomePod's been on the shelf for, uh, you know, nearly four years and they've sold, what, tens of thousands at most, thousands maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then, then the HomePod Mini comes out and it's selling as fast as they can make them for months. And the juxtaposition of those two, just looking at it, Apple's just saying, you know, Maybe before they were thinking, oh, it's just a niche product and people aren't that worried about speakers in the home. We can offer something with Siri that people can have access to that's an alternative to Google and Amazon. And then the HomePod Mini comes out and they're like, oh, people really like these. <laughs> right. But this other one just is way overpriced and we can't sell them. Right. So a couple of thoughts. Some people are thinking, well, they're discontinuing this iteration of the HomePod, but maybe... As early as WWDC or this April event, they'll announce HomePod Max or HomePod Regular, and they'll just have a cheaper version, but still a high-quality speaker. It'll include the U1 chip, which the original HomePod never did, or some other variant of that. And personally, I don't foresee that happening anytime soon, to my chagrin, for sure, because I would love a second generation of it. I also have an odd number in my house, and it makes me want to get one while supplies last, so I can at least have two stereo pairs if I want to one day. But it doesn't seem like anytime soon it could happen. Now, considering the iPod Hi-Fi was discontinued, and then one day we did get the larger HomePod, albeit years and years apart, that's not to say Apple will never make a high-quality, high-fidelity speaker again. But I would say in the near future, if you want a speaker from Apple, the HomePod Mini is your option. And I think that will be the only option for a long time. Well, looking at this whole chain of events, it just feels like, you know, this isn't Apple saying we're no longer making smart speakers because obviously they want to they want to emphasize the fact that the HomePod Mini still exists. Right. When was the last product Apple discontinued that wasn't AirPower? iMac Pro. 
I'm two well, weeks ago. Oh my god! <laughs> Before that, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think. It, Airport Express and Airport Extreme, maybe. I think so. Yeah, the language there was these things were great, but we're exiting this business. It's no longer on the you know, on the paper of this is something Apple wants to do. Same thing with the monitor business until right. Pro Display XDR. I feel like HomePod is uh, one of those things where, like you said, we could see something in the future called HomePod. The name isn't going anywhere. It is weird to have a HomePod mini without a HomePod regular. Like, what's it? What's right, the mini right. for? I, I don't know. It, it's just very odd. I speculated on Twitter that this is kind of a, a maybe a new thing Apple's trying uh, that other industries do all the time. They're discontinuing a product before they announce the new thing just to clear inventory and give them the chance to have the old thing off the shelf completely before introducing the new thing, which is generally done by industries that are, I don't know, less premium than Apple, but... Um, Totally a thing that maybe Tim Cook's Apple could try to pull off. Right. But typically when Apple does that too, they don't say they're discontinuing. It'll just be like on flash sale everywhere and you'll see it out of stock on like Apple's website or something. Or you'll get some rumor that manufacturing has stopped on a certain product. Well, look at the phrase. Like, again, this is all lawyer speak. Right. We're discontinuing the original HomePod. They didn't say we're discontinuing the HomePod. We're discontinuing the original one. Look into it however you like. I'm just, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll see some iterations in the future. My guess is, is maybe, you know, it could be this year, it could be next year or never, whatever. If there is another HomePod, it'll come out. It'll probably look very similar to the HomePod mini, that cup design, bigger, probably closer to $200 instead of 350 But right. we'll see. So some people are concerned and didn't understand, like, what does discontinued mean? Like, this does not mean your HomePod will stop working all of a sudden or that it is a paperweight right now. It does mean that one day there will probably be software features or a software update that doesn't come to the HomePod and it might not have some kind of feature, whether that's HomeKit or Siri related, and eventually that will be the case. But I am a little hopeful because HomePod mini is continuing and Apple even said in the statement that it's been a hit. I'm hoping that the HomePod mini and HomePod original software is close enough that they can just kind of keep pushing those updates to the bigger HomePod as well. And it could last maybe longer than another product. And as you were talking, you know, we talked about the airport being discontinued. I feel like the iPod Nano and Shuffle line were also discontinued blatantly at a certain point. And then I saw a meme of Tim Cook walking down a hallway like a Grim Reaper with the iMac Pro and like laying on the ground and then the HomePod laying on the ground and then someone put an iPod Touch as the last thing Tim Cook is going to kill this year. But I don't know. Uh, We'll have to see. I do want to detail just a little further the end of life of a product, right? So John Syracuse is on ATP saying HomePod is barely a speaker. It's barely a piece of audio equipment because you can't plug anything into it. Right. The only interface is airplay and i believe one of our writers dan dilger he was on twitter saying he was at someone's house sometime probably pre-pandemic and they had a home pod but they had a bluetooth audio device they wanted to play music out of and it didn't accept bluetooth it only accepted airplay so they had to go get a different speaker and it just kind of <laughs> right. killed the product for those people like why does this even why do even have this right apple's using the a8 processor and an iphone processor in the speaker it's insane yeah how much <laughs> overhead that power that chip has inside of there right there's multiple ways this thing can this thing can eventually die the paperweight thing i don't think will ever be an option i don't think it's ever just going to stop being able to play music because as long as airplay exists you can still play music to it now that being said apple could always just be like oh you know here's airplay 3 and 
everything AirPlay 2 and earlier no longer works with your uh, iPhone 20, whatever. But right. that just, I don't know, it just seems odd. Th- these things are usually backwards compatible. I'm pretty sure AirPlay 1 speakers still work. Oh, yeah. Again, these are $350 speakers, not $3,000 speakers. Sure, it'll suck if eventually they just stop working. But by the time they stop working, will anyone have even remembered the HomePod was a thing? Like, we're talking a <laughs> decade or more before, you, you know. Sure. Because when did AirPlay come out? 2008? Oh, goodness. Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah, and AirPlay still works um, all the way back to those older devices because it's a protocol that Apple uses that's backwards compatible. And it's like, unless Apple just says, nah, we don't need to include it, which doesn't make sense unless they literally stop making things with Wi-Fi, you know, it's just, right. anyway, I digress. That portion of the speaker will always work. Now, maybe it won't always be able to attach to Apple Music. Maybe it won't always have Siri or HomeKit, but it will always be able to play music, which is honestly what I bought it for. I love being able to use Siri and just yell out in the air, but there are other devices for that, including the HomePod Mini and whatever comes out later. Then there's the other option. People really uh, like to jailbreak things. And the HomePod, I believe, has a jailbreak. You can crack into that thing and do whatever you want with it. I don't think you can add Bluetooth. You need a radio for that. But there's ways to get around stuff. So it, I wouldn't yeah. call it dead, just, you know dying <laughs> yeah they're not going to produce it anymore it's yeah it won't be sold yeah it's gone oh uh, so apparently air tunes was released in 2004 I've, i vaguely remember that on my g4 powerbook airplay came out 2010 for ios and then airplay mirroring 2011 airplay 2 was just 2018 so yeah interesting this episode is brought to you by headspace wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep focus, or just be better? Well, if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can literally change your life. And I don't feel like I'm exaggerating because I've been using Headspace for years now. I love the app and I love that it can help me focus. It can help me start my day at ease. And even now, as I'm thinking about doing it, I kind of want to do a session right now because it really makes such a difference, even on your focus, in your work, in your leisure time. Headspace can make all the difference. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditation in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Well, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Do you need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Again, I've used Headspace before in the past. Just their general mindfulness sessions helped me start my day well. I struggled with a fear of flying, and they actually have specific courses just for that, and it helped ease my anxiety and actually enjoy the flight. And not only that, I've actually done the kids' sessions with my own kids, and it's actually given them tools and ideas to help them if they're struggling with anxiety or something else. I just love the app and everything it offers. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash appleinsider. That's headspace.com slash Apple Insider for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's 
full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal you can get anywhere right now. Head to headspace.com slash Apple Insider today. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. So to John Syracuse's comment, I listened to the ATP episode and, and they talked about the HomePod for a while. John Syracuse talked about how the HomePod as a speaker is a bad speaker, meaning when you buy like a high-end speaker for either a home theater system or some high-end like stereo system, it's going to have speaker cable jacks on the back, maybe a headphone jack, but some kind of passive connection where regardless of what receiver you pair it with or turntable, like whatever you want to pair it with, you can connect the speaker to whatever system you would like for as long as you'd like, because that protocol, namely speaker cables, is probably not going to go away anytime soon in our lifetime. This is why you can go into Abbey Road Studios and use equipment that is decades old because it's still great equipment. The sound is actually unique because it's old and connections are pretty much the same still. You know, I get that. But the thing about HomePod, at least for me, is it ticks a certain number of boxes that while the HomePod Mini ticks a lot of them as well, I don't think the HomePod Mini sounds near as good as the larger HomePod. And so as I look at my home and where and where I want to put speakers and what I want to use speakers for in my larger rooms, like living room and also my kitchen, because either you're washing dishes or it's noisy and you need to get the volume above whatever environment is going on. The HomePod mini, even in a stereo pair, which I have a stereo pair of HomePod minis, it does not cut it for sound quality for me. And the big HomePod, even just one by itself and not a stereo pair, I find to be actually very good at sound quality. And whether it's music or podcasts or whatever, it sounds great. And I use one in my bedroom as a speaker for my TV. My Apple TV sends the audio to the HomePod, just one, and it sounds significantly better than the built-in speakers on the TV and you know most other little speakers I would put in that room. So for me... I also use it for Siri shortcuts. I trigger a lot of shortcuts from my HomePod. I use it for HomeKit. It acts as a hub for devices that need Bluetooth connection to a hub, but also just to command lights and rooms and run scenes and all that. It does do Siri, just stock Siri with personal requests. And so my kids can ask it to do things. It's like set timers and all that. And without the large HomePod, if... I or anyone wants great sound quality, great audio in a room, plus all those other features like shortcuts, Siri, HomeKit features, all that, you really don't have an option from Apple anymore. And I would argue you don't have a great solution at all. I mean, the next best option that I could think of and find is the Sonos. I mean, Sonos is obviously one of the leaders in the room speakers and airplay or whatever. And you can get the Sonos 5 even, which is like $500, more expensive than the HomePod. You can get a stereo pair. It does have AirPlay 2. But if I had just that speaker in my living room, I couldn't use Siri. I couldn't shout home commands at it. I couldn't ask it to do, run shortcuts. That Sonos speaker, all it could do was play music and I would have to AirPlay to it to even trigger it. And I'd don't want Alexa on it. I don't want other voice assistants. I've trained my entire family on Siri now. I'm kind of all in. And now I don't have an option like that unless I set up some elaborate shortcut where there's a HomePod mini sitting right next to a Sonos. 
And every time you ask for music, it'll hand off playback to the Sonos. Like, and that's not elegant, and it's probably not going to be very reliable. So I feel like with the absence of a larger HomePod or a great sounding speaker from Apple, I don't know. I feel a little bit up a creek, at least for what I want in a setup. I don't. The problem is, is um, Apple has the numbers that we don't. Maybe it's just me, you, and two hundred other people who've ever experienced a HomePod and properly enjoyed having that Siri. Uh, environment with a uh, home kit and shortcuts and everything available from one smart speaker. How many people can actually say that they've truly experienced that and want that? And uh, if Apple can't market that to people, then they're, they're well within their right to just completely kill that side of the line. But again, with the HomePod mini sticking around still for sale for who knows how many years, plus the possibility of other speakers coming in this line, it just, I think the ability for us to do these things will still be around. It's just, yeah, you're right. Like, the high end of this is missing now without a HomePod for sale. It seems strange that Apple would leave um, features on the table of, you know, the Dolby Atmos Apple TV connection and other things that HomePod mini just can't do. It just feels like there's another product on the way that's going to, f- that's going to fill this void. And one possible thing is of course the Apple TV uh, update. Who knows? Uh, we could see another Apple TV come along. That's the same box that we have now, but there's also speculation of a Apple TV that's shoved inside of a speaker or soundbar and things like that could definitely happen. But I don't know. I personally just judging from what Apple's done in the past uh, for their product lines, if there's a feature uh, available and enough people show interest, they're going to make a product for it. And other than it being too expensive, HomePod wasn't an undesirable product. Like it's something that Apple's definitely going to rectify later, I think. Well, I hope so. I hope this is a Steve Jobs saying no one reads books anymore and then then they launch iBooks. Hopefully it's no one listens to HomePod anymore. They listen to HomePod Max or whatever it is. And I would uh, I would I would entertain that. I would buy one. Uh one one more thing on this. But I read a story where someone was comparing the death of the HomePod to the AirPods Max. Are we facing the same problem here? They're $550. There's a a report from Ming-Chi Kuo that says there's only going to be a million sold throughout 2021. Will Apple even care about the AirPods Max? Was this a one-off, you know, and is that a bad thing? Um, Did you you see reports of that going around these last couple days? It's an interesting thought. I did. It's interesting. And as I wear the AirPods Max as we speak, (laughs) a little concerning that this product that just was released four months ago will be discontinued or be the only one. I mean, if it was the only one, not that it's a bad thing because I enjoy it. I enjoy using them and I want to continue using them. And I mean, Apple is for sure going to make AirPods forever, I would say. I mean, at least the lower end AirPods and AirPods Pro. I feel like it's, it's too early to call that... I think we'll have to see, do they get any more features or is there some kind, is it ever talked about in an event again? Because that's one thing where the original HomePod, I feel like Apple never really talked about it after it was launched. And I just looked it up. So it was announced in WWDC of 2017, but its launch and release was delayed until early 2018. So it's three years old from when you could buy it to today. And I don't know, we'll have to see if Apple talks about it again. You know, Apple talks about... AirPods all the time, and we see him tweet and stories about it, and you see him in commercials. You know, I don't even remember if after their if it's its launch, 
the HomePod really got like a commercial spot or some kind of a feature ever. The uh, HomePod disappeared in a music video and a HomePod mini appeared in its place. I think it, they were foreshadowing. Oh my goodness. You just <laughs> blew my mind, Wes. I do remember that. It was telling us, Apple was telling us even then, this is going away in a puff of smoke. I don't know. I'll have to see. Is the AirPods Max, when the new Apple TV comes out eventually, whenever that is, and hopefully they add spatial audio to that Apple TV, if they talk about AirPods Max in conjunction with that event, I think there's hope. If not, then it might have been a one-off and it just never happens again. We'll have to see. Yeah. The one good thing about AirPods Max is they are Bluetooth. So, um, right. you know, as long as you don't break them in half, they're going to work into oblivion. So, yeah, you'll be fine. That's true. You just got to replace the battery. Yeah. Hopefully Apple continues doing that. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Pharmacy. You probably know the hassle it is to get a prescription to a place and then go pick it up and you don't know if it's ready or yet. Well, let me tell you how you can eliminate all that frustration. It's by using Amazon Pharmacy. That's right. The place where you buy probably everything else. You can also get your medications delivered directly to your door. It'll save time. You don't have to wait in line at a pharmacy. And it's easy. You can actually have your doctor send your next prescription straight to Amazon Pharmacy. And you can even use your insurance as Amazon Pharmacy works with most insurance plans. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you actually get free two-day delivery and you can save on prescription medication when paying without insurance. I've tried Amazon Pharmacy myself, and it is super easy to use, having your doctor send that prescription over, and then it's Amazon.com. It's the website that you know and already use, and it's super easy just to get those medications delivered to your door. There's actually a great video on the Amazon website if you want to learn all about how it works. You can go to Amazon.com slash AppleInsiderRx and learn all about it. And remember, Amazon Pharmacy works with most insurance plans nationwide here in the U.S. So Amazon Prime members... You can save on prescription medication when not using insurance and get free two-day delivery. Learn more at Amazon.com slash AppleInsiderRx. That's all one word. That's Amazon.com slash AppleInsiderRx. Amazon.com slash AppleInsiderRx. Our thanks to Amazon Pharmacy for sponsoring this episode. All right, so we have to talk about this Intel versus Mac commercials that came out. Justin Long, the actor, if you remember back in the day when there were the Mac versus PC ads, these were ads made by Apple, basically downplaying the PC, making fun of it. And those commercials were with John Hodgman as the PC guy and Justin Long as the Mac guy. And those commercials were fun and funny and they would portray the Windows machine as clumsy or unable to do something or error page, blue screen of death, whatever it was. And Justin Long was the cool Mac guy. And he would talk about why Mac is cool and all that kind of stuff. Well, now Intel has hired Justin Long, that guy who was the Mac back in those commercials. And Justin Long is now representing Intel slash Windows. It's kind of a symbiotic relationship. They're Intel commercials, but obviously you're talking about PCs, Windows. And there's a variety of these commercials, some addressing gamers and how no gamers use Macs, quote unquote. There's commercials about variety and how you can get gray or grayer in a Mac laptop, but you can get all these different options in other laptops. And we'll talk about that screenshot that everyone's passing around too. But I find these commercials kind of funny in not like a haha way, but just really ironic. You know, the one commercial that I get is the gaming one. Like, yes, gamers don't use Macs very often. 
So if you want to talk about a segment of computer users who really prefer Windows, you hit it there with gamers. But a lot of the other commercials feel like they're grasping at straws. And then the one commercial that talks about variety, they have like eight Windows laptops and all different configurations and touch screens. And Justin Long in the commercial is like, oh, look at this. I can just touch the screen. Let me try to do it to the Mac. And then he, you know, says, oh, can't touch the screen. You can only get gray. What's this? You know, it's a little interesting because in that commercial, if you look closely, as Justin Long goes to hold one of the laptops, it is this Windows laptop that has a double screen where there's the top screen, and then there's like half of the keyboard space is taken up by another touch screen, and it is clearly a special effect, like digital overlay of a screen on a laptop, and you could see when his thumb is on the laptop when he's holding the laptop in the commercial. I'll put this as the chapter art so you all can just see it. Look in your podcast player now and you'll see this image. But the digital screen put in in post is like overlapping his thumb, which is hilarious. So I find these commercials funny. And obviously, Intel is feeling the heat from Apple Silicon, the M1, and whatever Apple else is going to release later this year as far as their chips. Well, now we know why Justin Long wasn't at the Apple Silicon announcement. John Hodgman uh, got to make fun of Apple Silicon at the end of the event, if you remember. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So now we know where you know Justin Long ran off and got some Intel money. But <laughs> in any case, you know you got to make your money go nuts. They're very cringy commercials. I don't understand what Intel's deal is with these last few batch of ads and commercials. You know, they they also did the Twitter campaign or whatever of can you know can a Mac do this or whatever it was. The one that rubbed me the wrong way, obviously, is the the one that's just like, oh, yeah, if you want to touch the screen, here's an iPad. Oh, but you'll need this keyboard. Also, this pencil. And it's like, those are the good things about having an iPad. What's why, why are you making fun of that? And it's just like, it's it, they're pulling a very Samsung thing where they're mocking the things of Apple that make them Apple and end up shooting themselves in the foot because they're pointing out the good things people like about Apple products in the commercial where they're trying to make fun of them. Yeah, like dongles are not great, but guess what? That hasn't been really an issue since 2016. Like we're used to USB-C now, I hope. I mean, how many people are switching from USB-A laptops and saying, oh, darn, I guess I got to go buy USB-C now. Like I, I get it. The, the non-nerds are, but yeah, for the most part, they're not the ones these commercials are targeted for, are they? I, I don't, I don't really know what they're trying to say other than, oh, look, Apple has a bunch of new laptops and we're trying to make sure you don't buy them. And right. <laughs> it's silly. Yeah. It's reverse marketing. And it's weird too, because this is a chip maker running the ads, like creating these ads. It's not Asus or even Microsoft who makes the surface. Like this is a company that doesn't make a computer. They just make the chip. And so that is strange because they can't tell you, yeah, go buy this laptop. You know, at the end of the commercial, they can't be like, go buy the, you know, Razer laptop, whatever. Like they're just saying Windows are great because they use our chips. And that's kind of a weird line to try and advertise for. And then even when in the gaming commercial where they were like, oh, this gamer's playing on a Windows PC uh, and there's no one sitting at the desk at the Mac, <laughs> the camera goes... The camera goes close up on the laptop and it shows like Intel i7. And I'm like, that's not even the most powerful chip that Intel makes. Like, I, I don't know what that is supposed to be signaling unless the viewer is supposed to see the i7 and then go to the store and be like, oh, I want that i7 Intel chip. Like no normal person is going to do that. I understand them pointing out that the Intel's inside in the gaming one. 
Intel has really barely anything to do with gaming. It's just the system architecture that allows for right. Steam to run properly on Windows, but the graphics processor is the entire thing. So what's even the what are they even right. saying? Uh, <laughs> right, it's Nvidia and AMD that should be in the gaming commercial, not Intel. And then there's the monitor one. Oh, look at you, poor Mac. Only one monitor. Yeah. Who's what are you going to do? You can't have three monitors stacked on top of each other. And the in the the configuration that they had the three monitors in wasn't even like human interfaceable they, they didn't make sense like they didn't it wasn't a desktop <laughs> setup they just had it connected to three tvs and just left it lying there it, it was just such an odd choice yeah i predict not that apple will do a line of commercials to address these but i bet in whatever event apple announces the next max that can power 10 displays or whatever that there'll be some allusion to these things because it's just hilarious like at the end of this year i think half of these commercials are going to be moot i mean if the imac line comes out in those multiple colors that processor was leaking and obviously we're going to get more apple silicon max this year they're definitely going to support more displays pretty sure of that with the m1x or whatever other chip comes out like half of these commercials are not even going to be applicable anymore so they're trying to take advantage of the moment i would love apple to to do the non-direct attack that they've done before and just have John Hodgman using M1 MacBooks and not even mention Intel, just have him using them like 30 second spots. And he's like, Hmm, look how fast this is. This is really cool. And then that just be the ad. And yes, that, and that's it. Like, yes. Cause the, the pun at the beginning kills me too. Hi, I'm just, Justin and it's just like get out leave I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's trying to be this thing where like I'm a normal person you're a normal person use Intel which again no one thinks when they go into Best Buy or whatever store like oh what Intel computers do you have like no one no one asked that yeah, I mean how many people know what processors in their phone or their their tablet half the people I know that use Apple products don't even know what the operating system's called they don't need to but it's just one of those things like right, right. Intel inside like other than it being a silly commercial from you know when I was a kid I have no real need to know that the processor in there is an Intel chip I just need to know that it works and honestly we know that Intel's not really working these days so the commercial doesn't really tell us how good the processors are or what they're being used for it's just they're saying hey we still exist guys come by us and right. not really giving us a reason to and i'll throw this in here as we're talking about the future apple silicon devices that will be coming out this imac refresh has long been rumored coming out soon hopefully there was a screenshot found in xcode's crash reporter that did allude to an imac that was running an ARM64 code type. And so, again, just another point to this, whatever refreshed iMac is coming. And so hopefully, maybe at the Apple event, maybe Wes will tweet a GIF again, and then it will be uh, July. We'll see. We'll have to see. This episode is sponsored by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn about cooking from Gordon Ramsay. You can learn about space from Neil deGrasse Tyson or astronaut Chris Hadfield. You can learn about music composition from Hans Zimmer. That's one of my personal favorites. And even negotiation techniques from Chris Voss. I've done a number of classes through Masterclass, especially that music composition by Hans Zimmer and the Chris Voss class, and I absolutely love them. If you're a freelancer or you do any kind of contract work yourself, that Chris Voss class will teach you communication skills and negotiation skills that you will find 
extremely valuable in your business. And maybe you just want to learn something new. Maybe it's skateboarding or pet training. Whatever your passion is, Masterclass can teach you and it's from the best minds in the business. I love Masterclass because every video looks great. The lessons are just about 10 to 15 minutes long, so it's great to do even on a lunch break or just take a break in the middle of the day. You can watch one lesson or binge a bunch of them. One of my favorite features is you can do it anywhere on your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, or on the web. And if you're on your iPhone and you're watching one, you can actually flip this little toggle and go into audio only mode and then just listen to the class as you drive or do an errand, whatever it is. Masterclass gives you an immersive learning experience. It's cinema quality. And a lot of these things, whether it's cooking or fashion, seeing the people actually do the things as they teach you is so helpful. And you even get additional resources like downloadable guides for the cooking class that are at the level of a high-end cookbook that you can use even after you're done taking the class or lesson. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as an Apple Insider listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off masterclass. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. So I wanted to mention I got to do another video at Apple Insider and it was a lot of fun talking about audio HomePod and AirPods Max. I actually got some of my classical musician friends. I don't mention this often, but I actually play trumpet and I have played in orchestras and it's actually what I studied in college. So I got some of my classical musician friends from an orchestra here in Lakeland, Florida, the Imperial Symphony Orchestra. They haven't been able to play, obviously, very often for the last year, not doing live performances and such. So it was fun to kind of get some of these musicians in. We had uh, Jen Stahl on oboe, Lorenzo Sanchez on viola, and my wife, who was actually the principal flutist in the orchestra, she's in the video too, Whitney. And they got to try the AirPods Max for the first time and kind of hear it. And uh, it was a fun video. I encourage you, I'll put the link in show notes. I'll put it as the, the top link and you can watch the video on YouTube. You can read the article. But it was fun to kind of hear regular people, but professional musicians, orchestral musicians kind of react and hear the AirPods Max, see what they thought about it. And a little spoiler, like they really liked it. And from People who listen to classical music all the time. Jen Stahl, she has played in an orchestra for 30 plus years, many live performances. Uh, she's an excellent musician. And she was like, it sounds like I'm on stage with these other musicians. And it was it was just a lot of fun. Tried to take a different beaten path over like looking at these Apple devices. And uh, so it was fun. So you should check it out. Yeah, I really like that video. It was, it was great. I just like hearing uh, musicians always nerd about about music. It's it's always fun. Where what did you uh, you want to give us some behind the scenes? Like where did you shoot that? That that was a very fancy looking like environment that you recorded that in. Oh, I'm glad it looks that way. So I have a, a co working space here, actually in Lakeland, Florida. It's called Catapult, and this is actually where I record the podcasts here right now. I'm I'm there, and they also have a media room where you can shoot video and photos. They have multiple backdrops. And so if you've seen some of my how-to videos on Apple Insider with a white background and the white table, that's actually up there in the same room that I filmed this. So pulled the black backdrop and gave them a chair. And it's a great room because they actually already have lighting in the ceiling set up for you. So you just turn that up. I just brought one additional light. Did a two-camera shot. You know, I had one shot 
uh, you know, straight on and a, a secondary camera just to have a different angle. And uh, it was interesting. I, I gave them each the AirPods Max, and I was like, let me record you actually putting them on. Because, you know, it's always interesting to get people, like, who have never held a device or interacted with it, like, what are they going to do with it? You know, how are they going to put it on? I had to explain what the digital crown was for the volume. My personal experience and for them, like, it was how do I turn it up? Like, which direction is volume up and which direction is volume down? And I still feel like I don't know that it, it just in intuitively when I put them on my own head. I kind of have to try one direction and be like, oh no, the other way. Put them on and I played all the music from Apple Music. I wasn't using like Tidal or I wasn't playing like FLAC files and doing it over that. I was just like, I want them to hear it as most people would use AirPods Max, probably just listening to Apple Music or Spotify. I did download the tracks on my iPad first. So it was at least downloaded files and not streaming. And I downloaded the playlist. The playlist is in the article too, if you want to actually listen to the full pieces that they used. And I would just play it on my iPad and they would listen to it. I played about, you know, minute or two minutes of each piece. I didn't make them sit there. You know, classical works can be pretty long. So I didn't make them listen to the whole thing, just, you know, about two minutes of it. And I tried not to, you know, interrupt or whatever. And when I paused it, they, I just asked for their thoughts. Like as soon as they took them off, like what did they hear? What was different about what they heard? How did it feel? And the most interesting thing was I did ask, I didn't include a lot of this in the actual video, but I I told him the price. I was like, so they cost $550. Lorenzo actually knew what they cost. He's a little bit of a techie guy. But uh, Whitney and Jen, they they had no idea. So they kind of reacted and they was like, wow, it's pretty expensive. But when I asked, like, do you feel like it would be worth it? They had a thoughtful response for those. My wife is kind of hard because, I mean, I have them. So in the house, like she could use them if she wants to. But for Jen, she was like, they're kind of expensive. I couldn't buy them right now. But if I had the money, I definitely would. Maybe if they're on sale, which again, Best Buy has sales on HomePods and Apple products. And so I feel like if these were on sale for like 400, maybe 375, I think Jen would be very interested in it. And I think a lot of people would enjoy listening to it. And one one of the other questions I asked them too is, would you listen to music more or would you enjoy listening more? Uh, To which all of them pretty much had the same answer of like, yeah, I think I would. Uh, And again, Jennifer Stahl, the principal oboist, she was like, I think I would listen more. Like I listen a lot right now to music in my home, but I think I would actually do it more and I would enjoy the experience with them. So it's just a cool real life take on the AirPods Max. All right, to round out the show, I had an issue with iPad and iMovie that I'm going to describe the situation. And for you listeners, if you have ever run into this or have some kind of solution for it, I would love to hear it. Uh, if not, then this is a plea to Apple to change how this functions. But my two boys each have an iPad. I, did, I got them the base level iPad. And foolishly enough, apparently now I see it, I got the lowest storage size, which when I got it for them, they weren't doing anything especially media driven. So I did not think storage would be an issue. But now my oldest son, who has the, I think it's the seventh generation iPad, it only has the 32 gigs of memory, unfortunately. He has recently gotten into video editing. I actually got him an Osmo pocket camera, and he uses that to film things here and there. And then he puts it onto his iPad directly. The Osmo Pocket actually has a lightning connector where you can connect it directly to the iPad and offload the video files. You don't even need an SD card reader or anything. Pretty cool little camera, actually takes good video. But he's been filming stuff, making little videos, and he wants to edit it. And so when he does that in iMovie on the iPad, obviously all the footage has to be on the iPad. Then the iMovie project, he can edit it, and that doesn't 
really add a bunch more stuff to the storage, but he does have to edit and all that. And then when you export it, this is where the issue comes in. His iPad was basically at storage capacity. It was maybe like less than a gig available storage. And when you go to export a movie from iMovie, it will give you an error. And it's a, we can't export this movie because there's not enough room on the iPad. And it basically needs an additional amount of storage to host whatever video file it's going to spit out. And the movie that he did was maybe about like 10 minutes long. So it was lengthy. And the Osmo Pocket shoots in 4K. So it's pretty big movie files. Yes, I know the answer is to just get a larger storage iPad for him. And hopefully we'll do that in the near future. But in this situation, he has his finished movie in iMovie edited. We can actually watch it. He was. You can press play on the iPad and you can even airplay it to the Apple TV so we can watch his finish edited iMovie. But I want to get it off of there. I want to either get the iMovie project off or the video file off so I can save it or upload it to Vimeo privately or whatever to do with that. And you really can't do that. Like you can't do anything. If you try to airdrop it off the iPad, it will say there's not enough room for that. Even if you try to just airdrop the project file, it will say there's not enough room to do that. So I turned to one of our previous sponsors of the Apple Insider podcast, iMazing, which I've talked about a couple times, but iMazing is a great tool where you can back up your Apple devices. You can also access data on those devices that you couldn't access otherwise. It makes it a little easier and you can just kind of browse your device, look in certain apps and files and folders. So I connected the iPad to my Mac. I opened iMazing and you could see the iPad. You can even go into iMovie and see some folders in the iMovie but it's only folders and files that you've previously exported to send to iTunes. So the movie that he edited was not in those folders. I tried to back up the entire iPad to my Mac and kind of poke around the different files and folders in the backup. And to no avail, I could not find or get the iMovie project even from that full backup of his iPad. And no matter what I tried, I could not get the iMovie file or the regular movie file off of it. What I eventually tried to do is I deleted a bunch of stuff, deleted games, deleted some podcast files, some music files that have been downloaded, and I was able to export a 720p version of the video. I guess that was small enough where I was able to airdrop it, get the video file on my computer, and save it from there. 720p is not ideal, at least I was able to get something, but I feel like you should be able to get the iMovie project the project that's sitting there on the iPad, it's already there with the footage and all that. You should at least be able to copy the project to a Mac and open it in iMovie on a Mac without needing to use additional storage on the original iPad. That was my hope, but I could not find that to be the case. So listeners, my call to you, my call to Apple, if anyone there is listening, either make it so I can get an iMovie project off an iPad that has completely full storage or Help me figure out some way to reconcile this where it doesn't require just deleting the project. I mean, I could back up this iPad, buy an iPad with greater storage, restore it to that iPad, and then export it. But I don't have an, another iPad to do that, one with greater storage readily available. So anyway, that is the dilemma. That is the conundrum of the iPad and iMovie. So let me know, listeners, if you have any ideas or thoughts on that. And if you have thoughts on anything, I'd love to interact with you on Twitter. You can follow me there at Stephen Robles. That Twitter handle is in the show notes. Wes's Twitter handle is in there as well. You can email me. That link is in show notes. If you haven't yet, we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That'll help us rise the ranks of tech podcasts and be discovered by more people. That would greatly help us out. 
And don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider. That gets released every Monday. We talk about HomeKit, smart home, and all that. We actually have a special guest on Monday's HomeKit Insider. The CEO of Nanoleaf, Jimmy Shu, is on the show, and we talk about Nanoleaf products and HomeKit and all that. It's a really fun conversation. You should check that out. And also, don't forget to check out Apple Insider Daily. You can get the top Apple headlines in just a few minutes. So check out all the podcasts there. And don't forget to watch that Classical Musicians Try AirPods Max video. That link is in the show notes right at the top. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.